The following sermon is part of a series going through the book of Philippians, and it was preached at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. For more sermons, please visit our sermon audio page. It is our hope and prayer that this content is edifying for you. For our scripture reading this evening, we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We do continue our series in the book of Philippians tonight. But before we turn to Philippians, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in the first nine verses. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9. Remember that the church in Philippi, to whom Paul writes in the book of Philippians, is in the region of Macedonia, along with other churches which Paul visited, the church of Thessalonica and the church of Berea. And Paul writes 2 Corinthians 8, or the book of 2 Corinthians, about six years before he writes Philippians. 2 Corinthians 8, 1-9. through Moreover, brethren, we do you wit... We do you to wit, or to know, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power... I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And so much that we desire Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich." We read, that, we read that far in 2 Corinthians 8. Now we turn back to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We read our text, which is made up of verses 10 and then 14 through 18. 10 and 14 through 18. Notice that in verses 11 through 13, we find the text we have already considered regarding contentment. But around that text on contentment, we find this text, verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. And then the verses on contentment, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And then Paul gets back to the topic of the Philippians giving, which is our text, verses 14 through 18. Notwithstanding ye have done or well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. 
Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. We'll stop there. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the sermon this evening is about that well-known element of worship called the offertory, your offering to God of your gifts. As part of our worship services, the deacons collect and we give of those offerings of our money for the support of this church, of the gospel ministry, and of other kingdom causes. Such giving is an expression of gratitude for all that He has given us, not only materially, but an expression of gratitude especially for that unspeakable gift of His Son, which 2 Corinthians 8 refers to. We give not to pay God back for His Son, for we cannot and we may not seek to do so, but simply to give out of thanks, out of worship for our God and what He has given us. We give not to get something back from Him, but we give our thank offerings to worship. Let us not underestimate the importance of this heartfelt thank offering. Though it is a brief part of our worship service and familiar to us, it ought not be taken lightly. Along with every other element of worship, not just praying and listening to the preaching and the singing, but the offering also needs to be done from our hearts, not mindlessly, not mindlessly, not out of formality, but of sincere thanks to God. That's what God wants, what He calls us unto in the offering. And to encourage us in this giving, to encourage us in offering to God our gifts, we find the Word of God this evening, the positive example of the Philippians. Although the Philippians had their weaknesses, as we have seen in our series, Paul here gives a strength of the Philippian church. He commends them for their liberal giving. The last main topic that he brings up in this epistle is about this giving, this offering. It is last, but it is definitely not least. Paul wants to end his epistle on this note, a thank you note for their gift of love to him. Well done, he says, verse 14, you have well done. And so may this thank you note to the Philippians and this well done to the Philippians be of encouragement to you this evening in your giving. As we consider this text on giving, do not forget that lesson on contentment that we recently considered in verses 11 through 13. As we read, you see that Paul sandwiches the lesson on contentment with this topic of giving because they are related topics, if you think about it. Contentment leads to giving. The contented person is willing not to keep to himself with a covetous heart, but to give because he is content with all that God has given him already and especially content with Jesus Christ. The Philippians were supposed to remember the need for contentment. And thus, Paul speaks of contentment as he speaks of giving. And speaking of contentment, however, Paul does not intend to say that the Philippians 
as a whole, struggled with discontentment. He was not criticizing them or rebuking them for discontent. In fact, it should be clear to us that he's actually commending them for their contentment, out of which they now gave to him. His purpose in giving them instruction on contentment was to encourage them to continue in that contentment and out of that contentment to continue in their generosity and their giving. In verse 10, we find that there had been a lapse in their giving to Paul. Some commentators take that to mean that the Philippian church had been discontent and been keeping to themselves selfishly, but I do not see that in the text. Rather, Paul is rejoicing, he says in verse 10, in their giving, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Yes, there had been a lapse. There had been a brief lapse in their financial support of Paul, but they had taken it up again. And Paul explains to them that he does not think of their lapse in giving as them being selfish or discontent. But he says, wherein ye were also careful, verse 10, but ye lacked opportunity, meaning, I know you care for me. You have been caring for me. You've always wanted to give to me and to the support of the ministry. And the reason, Paul says, that you have not given for a little while, you have had this lapse, is because you lacked opportunity. Meaning it had to do not with an unwillingness, but an, an inability. Possible explanation for that inability was that Paul was far away in Rome. And it was a long and dangerous journey to travel from Philippi to Rome to deliver such a gift. They perhaps were unable to deliver it. And finally, Epaphroditus volunteered and they sent him. He barely made it as we know. But he got there sick to the point of death and he delivered this generous gift. It was on this occasion when the Philippians finally had the ability or opportunity when they resumed their liberal giving to Paul that he writes to thank them. Now at the last, your care of me have flourished again. May God do for us what He did for the Philippians through the writing of this thank you letter to encourage us in our liberality. Consider this text with me under the theme, the liberality of the Philippians. First, their good example. Second, the godly purpose. And then finally, the glad result or the joyful result. We consider this evening the good example of the Philippians and notice with me three descriptions that the text shows us. Three descriptions which Paul gives regarding this exemplary giving or liberal giving by the Philippian church. First, they gave early. Second, they gave frequently or regularly. And third, they gave even in time of affliction. Early, regularly, and in time of affliction. First, notice Paul makes clear that the Philippians gave early. Verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, notice that phrase, in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. The beginning of the gospel there refers to the first time that the gospel had been preached in Philippi. Not the first time that the gospel had been preached other places. We know that Paul preached the gospel elsewhere long before he came to Philippi. But as soon as the gospel was preached in Philippi, Paul says, as soon as that gospel was sent forth by the Holy Spirit to the hearts of these Philippians, converted the hearts of these Philippians, as soon as that happened, they gave. They gave early. They gave spontaneously out of hearts that were overflowing with thanks for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They gave even immediately. 
You find that in Acts 16. Acts 16 is a record, remember, of Paul and his second missionary journey traveling to Philippi and ministering to the people there. Approximately 10 years before Paul penned this letter to the Philippians, he had traveled to Philippi. They hadn't heard the gospel yet on that missionary journey. And there you remember, according to Acts 16, many women were converted. And the one name mentioned there in Acts 16 was Lydia. And after those women were converted, there was also a Philippian jailer, you remember, that was converted, him and his household. Those two people in particular, the Philippian jailer and Lydia, are mentioned, though there were others. But what stands out in Acts 16 is this. Regarding both Lydia and the Philippian jailer, they're described as people of hospitality, those who gave. Immediately after their conversion, they invited Paul into their home. They fed him. They gave to him of their physical necessities. Immediately they cared for him. Immediately they gave. That was the characteristic of these first converts. And then of the whole church. And not only that, when Paul departed from their city, our text is indicating when he left their city and the region of Macedonia, they made sure to continue to give right away for Paul's support as he continued on his way. And to emphasize the immediacy of their giving, Paul says this in verse 16, Even in Thessalonica he sent to my necessity. Even in Thessalonica. Compare verse 15 and verse 16. Notice in verse 16, Paul says, When I departed from Macedonia, you gave. And then in verse 16, he says, When I was in Thessalonica, you gave. And the reader who knows his geography and knows where Thessalonica is asks, Well, isn't Thessalonica in Macedonia? It is. It is. And Paul speaks that way so that the reader hears this. They gave right away when he departed Macedonia. No, not even when he departed Macedonia, but before he even could depart from Macedonia. When he was still in Thessalonica, they gave. That's how immediate, how quick, how spontaneous, how early they gave. Or we can put it this way, he couldn't leave the region fast enough and their support followed him early. How quick are we to give? The example here is of a spontaneous giving, receiving the gospel and immediately out of the heart, pouring forth gifts. Many churches have the offertory after the preaching of the Word, after the preaching, when they hear the Gospel. We have that after the Lord's Supper. We have an offertory after the preaching of the Gospel. Because of this, not wrong to have it before the preaching, but having heard the preaching of the gospel, knowing the gospel, that is when the hearts of God's people want to give and thanks to Him. It's a quick, early, spontaneous giving. That's the example of the Philippians. Not of the leftovers, but of the first fruits, Scripture calls it. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thy increase, Proverbs 3, verse 9. Not after we've spent most of our income on ourselves, and then if we have some leftovers we give. Not after we have crunched all the numbers in our accounts to make sure we have plenty to spare, and then we give, but early, spontaneously. That's the example of the Philippians. Secondly, the Philippians gave frequently or regularly. Verse 16 once and again, we read. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Again and again, 
The Philippians kept up a regular support of Paul while he was in Thessalonica and then through Paul's ministry. That's implied in verse 10 when Paul speaks of a lapse. You give again, he says. He speaks of a lapse in their giving. Well, there can't be a lapse, you see, in the giving unless the giving had been regular before the lapse. That was how the Philippians gave. Now they resumed it after a brief lapse. In 2 Corinthians 8, which we read, six years before Paul wrote to the Philippians, he's referring to the Philippians' support, not only of Paul himself, but of the saints in Jerusalem who were going through a famine. The Philippians regularly collected probably with the deacons of the church and their formal worship services like we do. And they gave and gave and gave again. The picture of our, of our text is a familiar one. We'll come back to it. It's a picture of a tree sprouting. Verse 10, you have flourished again. Literally, you have sprouted again, budded again. It's a picture of a fruit tree you might see in Molker's orchard that has been dormant for a while during the winter. That dormancy during the winter months is a picture of the brief lapse of giving of the Philippian church. They hadn't died out in their giving during the winter, but there were buds on the tree, so to speak. They were collecting. They wanted to give, looking for the opportunity, though they lacked it. And then in the springtime, those buds that you see on the tree pop open, they bud, they burst forth, and then the fruit comes, abundant fruit. Paul says, you like that tree, that apple tree in the orchard, after a winter, have now in the springtime budded forth in your giving unto me. Again and again, just as that tree gives of fruit, not just one year, but again and again through the years. So the Philippians had given. That's the example. Regularly, frequently. It is good that we have that offertory in every worship service to remind us of the opportunity to give again and again. Whenever you have opportunity, beloved, as the Lord has given you ability, so give. Thirdly, the Philippians gave not only early, not only regularly, but they gave even in affliction. Even in affliction. That's one of the main reasons that we read 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8, 2 and 3 show us this affliction, even this poverty that Philippi along with Thessalonica and Berea endured. And it was during that affliction that they gave. How that? In a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For, their, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, Paul says, they were willing of themselves to give. Paul testifies to the church in Corinth of Philippi's and Thessalonica and Berea's giving, so that even though they were poor, even though they were suffering other afflictions like persecution, they still gave. Not only within their means, but Paul says, beyond their means. And with that passage in mind, come back to our text in verse 14. Paul says, He did communicate with my affliction. And in English language, we read that and we think, Paul is saying there, you communicated or gave during my, Paul's affliction. And that's true. The Philippians gave while Paul was suffering affliction in Rome. We know that. But that phrase is more than that. Literally, that phrase says, you fellowshiped or shared 
Not during my affliction, but in my affliction. You shared with me in my affliction. This is what Paul means, connected to 2 Corinthians 8. They endured the same kind of affliction as Paul. Not only persecution with Paul, but the same kind of poverty that Paul endured. They gave in their poverty while Paul was poor. Even this. Because they gave to supply for Paul, they endured the affliction of poverty. They sacrificed. Christ's likeness was exhibited. They made themselves poor for the good of others who they thought poorer than they. In whatsoever state, Paul says, I am in. I've learned to be content. He's not telling the Philippians they were not. But rather, in, so what, in whatsoever state they were in, Paul is commending them, they were not only content, but in whatsoever state they were in, they gave. It's an amazing, amazing example. Beloved, they gave like the widow gave in Jesus' day of her two mites. And about that widow, Jesus says to, it, says to His disciples in Luke 21, 3, Of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. It's one thing to give when we have plenty, and that's good. It's good to give when we have plenty. The Philippians show that even when we have little, we are to still give. Even when we face what many of you are thinking, inflation in the economy, a real possible recession economically coming up, even when we face hardships in the church and troubles, we think about all these things. We tend to be stingy. We tend to be inward focused. We tend to be discontent, not only, but in our grumbling and our fighting. We, we want to purchase for ourselves more things to soothe our pain. We're inward looking. We're tight fisted. That's our nature. We have the example before us of the Philippians. They did the opposite of that. And the example stands out in affliction even. Different kinds. And even in their poverty. They gave. The liberal giving was exemplary. I don't say that they're, they were an example simply because they are an example. And, but the text shows us, it explains to us that they were an example. Notice in verse 15, no church communicated or shared with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Paul saying there's one church, one church that gave before the other churches did. Not that the other churches never did, but they gave first, early, and when they gave, they were the one church that gave in support of the ministry. And then, the other churches followed suit. Then, we read in 2 Corinthians 8, the other churches in Macedonia also gave in their poverty. Then Paul tells the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 8, follow the example of these churches in Macedonia. See, verse 7, that he abound in this same grace also. The Philippian church is made an example by God, not just Paul, but by God, 
to us, the church of Jesus Christ, that we see to abound in this same grace also. And beloved, I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not saying tonight as I preach this sermon and explain this text to you, that you don't give. In fact, as Paul was personal, I'll be personal from all that I've experienced and I know of you. And through the deacons, you do give. And you do give liberally. I preach this not to ask you for more. In fact, Paul said to the Philippians, thank you. I thank my God for you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that you care for me. And your offerings do flourish. You have done well in your support of the gospel ministry. In your support of the other kingdom causes. The point is, continue. Abound. Improve if as, as, as individuals you have not given spontaneously, early, frequently, regularly, even in affliction, continue, beloved, as the Philippians, in this grace. Which leads us to the godly purpose of the Philippians giving. A godly purpose in the Philippians giving. One word, worship. Why did they give early, frequently, in affliction? It was an expression of heartfelt worship to God and for His Son, Jesus Christ. The picture or illustration which Paul gives at the end of our text is that of a sacrifice. Verse 18, an odor or a fragrance of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. What Paul is bringing to the minds of the Philippians and bringing to our minds is that of the Old Testament ceremonies of worship. The people, you remember, would gather at the tabernacle or they would gather at the temple and they would bring of their offerings. And through the priest that led them in that worship, they would burn incense unto God before the Ark of the Covenant. And they would bring of their cakes and of their wheat as thank offerings to God. And Paul's point was that the Philippians' financial support of him and of other kingdom causes was like a sweet smell, like a sweet burning incense or the sweet smell of other offerings being made to God. Often when we think upon those Old Testament ceremonies and of incense burning and other sacrifices burning before God, we think of the one element of worship called prayer. Prayer is like an incense to God. Prayer is that which we bring forth as a sacrifice to God, sweet to His nostrils. And that is so, that is true. But here in our text, Paul says, not just prayer, but our gifts and offerings too is such a sweet smell to God. Like those Old Testament incense and sacrifices. The purpose of the Philippians was simply that, to worship God. To worship God in thanksgiving. They didn't give with the purpose of getting recognition. The Philippians didn't think ahead and say, you know, if we give, then Paul is going to commend us to others. No. They gave out of worship. They did not give like many of this world give merely because they felt bad for the poor people and to boost their egos and sense of self-righteousness, they gave with their charities. No. Especially they did not give to obtain their salvation. This was a thank offering, not an offering of atonement or for redemption. It was a thankful worship the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was an overflow, so to speak, of the gospel which filled their hearts and flowed forth 
and a giving. Another picture of the text that we already referred to is that of a tree. Not only these sacrifices does Paul show that the purpose was worship, but the Philippian church was like a tree with many branches, remember, connected to a main trunk and to the roots of a tree. And the point is that so many nutrients, so much sap, so much life flowed from the tree, from the roots and the trunk of the tree into the branches, pushed, pushed into the branches that there was a bursting forth, a budding and a producing of fruit. That's the point of verse 10 when it says, flourished again, burst forth again. And verse 17, I desire fruit that may abound. There was an abounding forth of overflowing forth of fruit. All as a result, you see, of the gospel that had filled their hearts. They knew that gospel that Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that he through his poverty might be rich. And that last word, rich, does not refer to a earthly rich, richness or wealth. It refers to a spiritual richness that had filled their souls because they knew the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had become to the Philippians both their motivation and the power behind their giving. He was like that tree, the trunk with its roots that joined the members of the Philippian church to himself, giving them faith and caused that gospel to flow to their minds and hearts so that they knew this gospel not just intellectually but with their hearts. They knew the gospel is not first of all about us giving but about God giving. God giving to us the unspeakable gift of His Son. God giving up Himself to take on our poverty, our spiritual poverty, to take on our, our sin, our guilt, to suffer for that in order that we might be filled with all the riches of salvation, though we do not deserve it. He gave us, that's the gospel of His perfect righteousness, he gave us of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, not just righteousness, but sanctification. He gave us of heaven and eternal life. He gave us every blessing. He gave us, as Ephesians 1 says, to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and filled with the gospel. The Philippians were empowered with this grace to give. First of themselves, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5. First of them, their own selves. They surrendered their whole life to worship God. And then part of it, of their belongings, of their material possessions. They gave out of thanks, of worship to God. And we go a little deeper. Connected to this purpose of thankful worship, is this purpose. They gave for the spread of the gospel. If there was a particular or a specific fund, a specific fund, we might have listed in the bulletin, but if there was a specific fund that the Philippians were thinking about giving to, it was a fund that was related somehow to the preaching of the gospel and especially to the mission work, the spread of the gospel. That's what they had in mind as they gave. They gave because they wanted the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that they had within their hearts to go forth to others so that others may be filled with the same gospel. That's why they gave. It's important to understand that the Philippians didn't give to Paul because they liked him as a preacher. They didn't give to Paul because they wanted him to come back or to stay with them. They didn't give to Paul to promote him personally 
or to promote his name, to make his life easier even. It was not just a generous gift to someone that they liked. It was definitely not why Paul was encouraging them to continue in this giving so that he himself could enjoy some easy life materially here below. Rather, the Philippians saw Paul as an instrument in God's hands for the spread of the gospel. They were mission-minded. They gave to Paul because they wanted him to bring that gospel to others who desperately needed it as they needed it. We find that proof or the proof of that in chapter 1. Paul makes a significant statement about this. He thanks God for the Philippians in verse 3. You remember that. Early on in our series, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I thank my God, he says, upon every remembrance of you. To thank you, no. But then he explains in verse 5 why he is so thankful for the Philippians. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. This fellowship or sharing in the gospel does not only refer to the fact that the Philippians had the same gospel in their hearts as Paul had, but this sharing in the gospel means that the Philippians participated in the spread of the gospel along with Paul. Paul's saying, you are partners with me in the preaching of this gospel. How? Not because the Philippians themselves quit their jobs and became missionaries with Paul, no. But it was in this specific manner of their giving. They supported Paul financially. They supported the kingdom cause. And Paul says, you join me thereby in the spread of the gospel. And that really relates to the one purpose of worship. The purpose the Philippians had in their offerings, in their giving, was not only that they themselves worship, but also that others who received the gospel that they supported would join them in the worship of the one God and His Son, Jesus Christ. No wonder they gave frequently, early, and even in their affliction for the worship of God in the hearts of those filled with the gospel. They had the same attitude of Paul that he speaks of in 2 Corinthians 4.15. For all things are for your sakes, Paul says in service of the church, all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. All things, even all are giving is that others may with thanksgiving redound to the glory of God. And as the Philippian church worshipped and sought to worship God in their giving, the result was joy. It was a glad result. Paul writes this entire epistle himself joyful. That was one result. As the Philippians gave, Paul, their pastor and missionary, rejoiced. He qualified it again and again. He didn't want them to misunderstand. He's not rejoicing in the money itself. It's not the silver and the gold, he says, that he's glad about. It's this, verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, not the gift itself, but I desire fruit. I'm happy. I rejoice, Paul says, because I see spiritual fruit behind your giving. 
wondrous evidence of the gospel within your heart. A Christ-likeness, even willing to sacrifice of yourself because you believe in the Christ who sacrificed for you. I seek not yours, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 14. I seek not yours, but you, your sanctification, more evidences of God's grace in you, the fruit of the wondrous gospel in your heart. That's why I rejoice when you give for the support of the gospel ministry. Not just a bit do I rejoice, he says. Verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Paul rejoiced as a result. Secondly, there was rejoicing in God. God was pleased. Paul writes by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It was not only Paul merely who expressed gladness or being pleased, but the end of verse 18 says, well-pleasing to God. It was well-pleasing to God. Now, there is a taking on of some human characteristics here, a figurative expression. We call it an anthropomorphism. But the point of Paul is this. Just as you smile when you smell good food cooking or baked bread in the oven, just as you smile as you Smell the aroma of a sweet perfume. So God, when He works by His grace in the hearts of His people to give such worship in their offering, the Lord smiles with pleasure, pleased. Always, always, of course, Because Christ Himself makes these gifts, this worship, well-pleasing in His sight, covering all the sin that we taint our best works with. Nevertheless, Scripture is clear. In Christ, as believers give of their offerings by faith in worship, thankfully, it is a sweet smell to God. He is pleased. So pleased is He that the Word of God here also says that He rewards in His grace. Verse 17, fruit that may abound to your account. Fruit meaning that God remembers in His own account. God keeps a record even of your good works of giving. Paul says to the Philippians, fruit, though imperfect and cleansed by Jesus Christ, God keeps, remembers in His mind to reward His people. That's a glad result. To qualify, no. That wasn't why. That wasn't the motivation that the Philippians gave. It wasn't because they wanted to get some rewards from God. No. Know the difference between purpose, second point, and result. Purpose was thankful worship. And a result that God was well pleased. And He promises... Is an encouragement to his people. I will reward. The Philippians, notice, were not the ones that kept a record or kept an account of all that they had given. No, as a saint does, his right hand, their right hands did not know what their left hands were doing. These humble Philippians on Judgment Day will be like the sheep of Jesus' parable. So that when Jesus the judge says, you gave when I was thirsty and hungry and needy, they will say, when? When saw we thee hungry and thirsty and needy and gave? And Christ Jesus will say, he kept a record. And as much as you gave to the least of these, my brethren, 
you gave unto me. I reward you for the very grace I worked in you. The result was Paul's gladness, God's pleasure, and of course, also joy in the Philippians in their giving. They knew the words of Jesus Christ in Acts 20.35. It is more blessed or joyful to give than to receive. Yes, it's a blessing to receive too. And there's an element of humility too to be the one to receive. Let God's people understand that it is a blessing to receive, to be helped even. But more blessed to give. And thanks to God and to His people. That was the Philippian example. As they gave, they rejoiced, not grudgingly, but cheerfully they gave. And with respect to your giving, therefore, this I pray, as Paul prayed for the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 9, that your love for God, for the spread of His gospel, that your love may abound yet more and more. Amen. Let's pray. Father, to us Thou hast given the unspeakable gift of Thine only begotten Son to be made poor for our sakes, that through His poverty we might become rich. There is no greater gift. We have not thanked Thee enough for such a gift. In Him, joined to Him as branches to a tree, we have so much. All salvation. So that our giving is the fruit and not the root. But simply an expression of joy and thanks and worship. That was given and given and given to us again and again. Having freely received, we pray, enable us to freely give more. To worship Thee. And that others, through the support of the gospel ministry and the spread of the gospel may join us too in that same worship of thy name. Work in us that we might be cheerful givers. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hope PR Ministry Podcast. We are a part of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America and we are located in West Michigan. Our goal is to spread our distinctive Reformed beliefs. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us at hoperwc at gmail.com and visit our website at hopeprchurch.org if you would like to learn more about our beliefs. You can also worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m.